I had planned on preaching, as you know, I've been in a series of messages on uh, Blessed is the Man, and I had planned on preaching on today, Blessed is the Man Who Trusts the Lord, and um, which is uh, a tremendous message that God wants us to do, is to trust Him. But I want to tell you what happened the other night. <laughs> the other night, uh, I've, I've been on this medication, uh, and with this medication, I'm supposed to take it early in the morning. And um, uh, for some reason or another, I ran out of medication. And they would not refill it until the end of the month, or yes, until the end of the month. And so I had to go for about a week without the medication that I was on. So I got it that afternoon, and um, uh, Brenda says, well, I normally take it in the morning. And she said, well, just go ahead and take it. It was probably about 7 o'clock. So <laughs> you know where I'm headed. <laughs> so I took it about 7 o'clock, and usually about 10.30, I'm out like a clock, man. I'm telling you, I'm ready to go to bed. Well, at 2 o'clock, my eyes was just like this. I I felt like I had drunk about three Red Bulls or something of that nature. I don't know. Man, I'd never been so awake and alert. And I said, well, I'm not going to waste this time. So I, I, I took the scriptures, and looking back, I see how the Lord had so much involved in this. I started reading Psalms 85. And God gripped my heart like I have never experienced in my life. And so that night, rest of the night, (laughs) I prepared my message for today. God bless the USA. I remember not too long ago on the Associated Press, they ran a story about a school in California. And there in California, uh, they were coming to the end of the school year, and the uh, director of the choir was going to sing this song, God Bless the USA, uh, 200-voice choir, Lee Greenwood, of course. And uh, the more he began to think about that, he began to think about the separation of church and state. And he thought, my, if we'd seen God bless the USA, that uh, we might experience some turmoil over this. And so what he did, he changed it. And what he did, he changed it from God bless the USA to where I love the USA. Well, word got out and it got back to the parents. And the parents got in an uproar. And they said, we can't believe that you're changing this song. And several of them even poured their kids out of the choir. And they started receiving all kinds of uh, uh, email. Uh, why would you ever take God out of the USA? And so they put it back and... Uh, they said that, uh, you know, uh, 
we did this thinking that it was politically correct. Well, just because it's politically correct don't mean that it's morally and spiritually correct. And so they sung it. And I thought, you know, and the headlines of that, uh, of that, uh, article was, Parents put God back in the USA. I thought, praise the Lord. It's about time that somebody puts God back in the USA. We need God back in the, not only in the USA, we need him back in our schools. We need him back in our government. We need him back in our courts. We need him back in our homes. So take Psalms 85, would you? With, with uh, I know that uh, Andrew is already read it, but we're going to read it again. And uh, we're going to look at this today. And I titled it, God Bless the USA. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? Now, I want you to notice as we're reading six times in the first three verses... The psalmist says, you have. You might want to just underline that. Look what he says. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin, Selah. You have Taken all of your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation. And cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your mercy, Lord. And grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. And let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Isn't that true? That glory may feel and dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall bring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Boy, that should be our prayer here today. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the word that you've given to us. And we pray, dear Lord, that through this word that you might specially speak 
to your people. And Lord, that through that, that our people will hear and will respond accordingly. Thus saith the Lord. Anoint us with your spirit. Fill us with your presence. And may the words that come from my mouth will be the words from the Father in heaven is our prayer. And we pray that what we say and what we do, realizing and recognizing we're on holy ground and that it is for one purpose and that is for the purpose of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our prayer. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I was thinking about that article. I thought two things. Number one, hooray. That there are people that are willing to stand up. I don't know about you, but I'm getting sick and tired of thinking that we've got to take a back seat to the socialists and to the liberals. I think it's about time that God's people stand up for what is right and the way that it should be done. I am so grateful that we can come together here today and take the word and to be able to see how relevant it is today. I don't know about you. But when I hear comedians and uh, when I think about those actors in Hollywood like uh, Kathy Griffith and Johnny Depp and some of the things that they have said and done about our president, it reminds me of just exactly how morally wrong this country is. And you know, when I think about that, I believe with all my heart that uh, as we come together today, that there's three outstanding truths as you will study this passage of Scripture that will remind you and will help you to understand our position in our country today. First of all, go back and look with me in verse 1. I want you to notice that we as believers and as Americans today, there ought to be appreciation that we should display. And listen what the Bible says in there in verse 1. Lord, you have been favorable on our land. Can any country say that any more than what we have can today? Lord, you have been favorable. The blessings that God has bestowed upon us is beyond measure. Here, he is lifting up his voice. He is lifting up his heart. And he is saying, Lord God, you are the blessing that you have placed upon your people. I make no apology, for I am a red-blooded American. And I tell you what, every time I hear the Pledge of Allegiance, there's something that goes up and down my back. When I hear the Star Spangled Banner, I, I, I feel a tear within my, within my eyes of making me proud to be a part of a, such a great, great 
country as America. But I tell you one thing, I don't know of anything that gets my dandruff up any more than when I see somebody protesting and they take the American flag and they're burning it. My spiritual dandruff really rises at that hour. And when I think about people in other countries taking our flag and burning it and cursing our nation, when I stop and I began to think about if it wasn't for America, they probably wouldn't even exist. America has hurt, has helped more countries than any other country on the face of the earth. I like what Colin Powell said one time. Listen to what he said. He says, we have gone forth from our shores repeatedly over the last hundred years. Put wonderful young men and women at risk. And many of whom have lost their lives. And we have asked for nothing except enough ground to bury them in. That is so true. When I see Americans saying that they are so disrespectful for our country and so disrespectful for our flag, it brings great, great heartache to me. I'll just be honest with you as far as I'm concerned. You can box up people like Michael Moore, Alec Baldwin, and Sean Penn, and Barbara Streisand, and ship them out to another country. I mean, after all, they say they wish they were in another country. Well, go ahead and go. And give their citizenship to some people that would be honored to be able to be a citizen of this great country. We are a nation that is richly blessed. Numerous blessings. As verse 1 says, Lord, you have poured out amazing blessings upon our land. Six times in verse verses 1, 2, and 3, he says, you have, you have, you have. Reminding us that the blessings have come from God Almighty and only from God Almighty. Now, when I think about blessings, I think about they are diverse. Would you not agree? That there are diverse blessings. First of all, I think about we are blessed socially. I heard about uh, during the 4th of July, there was this uh, school teacher. And uh, she was teaching her kindergarten uh, how blessed we are of our freedom. And she said, do you realize, children, that you are free? A little boy came up to her and he says, Ma'am, I'm not free, I'm four. (laughs) Well, Fred, we are free, are we not? We are blessed socially, but we're also blessed as well politically. I'm sure that we all can say that we have our gripes and concerns about our government, but of all the governments on the face of the earth, there is none to match the government that we have here today. It's for the people, by the people. 
And to know that we have representatives to represent us and to be able to vote. And that we do not have a dictator that is ruling and dictating over the lives of people. Someone said that when Columbus discovered America, that when he was coming to America, he didn't know where he was going. When he got to America... He didn't know where he was at. And when he got back to England, he didn't know where he'd been. And he did it all by someone else resourcing him coming. I thought, when I read that, that that's the first American politician. (laughs) Well... We are blessed, but we are also blessed materially. B.R. Lakin, a man of yesterday, great godly preacher, he wrote these words in a sermon, and I want you to listen to me as I share them with you today. Because it reminds you so much of the blessings of God. Listen to what he says. God smiled and God pulled forth from the rocky crags of the golden west. God smiled and wide acres of grain sprang from the soil of the middle west. God smiled and the picturesque hills of the east yield black gold in ample abundance to warm our hearts and turn the wheels of industry. God smiled, and the automobile, the airplane, and a thousand and one industrial miracles took place before our very eyes. Isn't that precious? To know materially. When I look at other countries and I begin to see where there's so many Little boys and girls and men and women go to bed hungry. They have no place to sleep. They have no place to go. And then when I think about our country, of how our country has tried to help and to try to be able to support those that are in need. We are a blessed nation. But I want you to see something else. As I look at Psalms 85, not only do I see this diverse blessing that we enjoy, but also the divine blessings that we enjoy. The psalmist knew immediately that these blessings came from the Lord and the Lord only. He says, Lord, you have been favorable unto your land. He recognizes and enjoys of how God has dispensed the blessings of God upon this great country. When I think about organizations like the ACLU, and I think about men like Barry Flynn, who heads up the American United for the Separation of Church and State, They would have you to believe otherwise. They would have you to believe that otherwise that blessings and what we have has come from man. 
But my friend, I'm here to tell you and I'm here to remind you that every single blessing comes from above. And God has uniquely blessed our great nation. Roger Babinson was interviewing the president of Argentina. And he asked him a question. Asked him a question. He says, why is it that, that there is North America and South America and North America has been blessed far greater than South America in its material wealth? Listen to what the president said. He says, I have come to this conclusion. South America was settled by the Spanish who came to South America in search of gold. But North America was settled by pilgrims who was in search of God. Big difference. Big difference. Contrary to what socialists would have you to believe. The framework of our independence were by men that who were believers of God. Out of the 55, 50 of them were professing Christians. Contrary to what people would have you to think today. But my friend, the Declaration of Independence states so clear. And so well, as Thomas Jefferson said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by who? Their creator. With certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. See... Friend, I want you to understand there's something special about the Declaration of Independence. Not only does it signify our Declaration of Independence from Britain, but it also signifies our Declaration of Dependence upon Almighty God. And the more our politicians will recognize that, the better we will be. This great nation is a nation that has been blessed far greater than any other nation upon the face of the earth. No wonder we could say with the psalmist, Lord, you have been favorable to our land. You have been favorable But all the psalmist goes in another direction for a few moments. He not only talks about of how there should be an appreciation of our display. But oh, as you begin to look, he talks about a condemnation that we should dread. Listen, as our great nation There is a peril that we face. And we face that danger 
And it seems as if it is looming over us. The peril that I'm speaking of is the the God that who has blessed this nation is the God that who can curse this nation. The blessing is, is that when we acknowledge his blessings, the curse is when we do not acknowledge his blessings. What we have tried to do, we've tried to push God out of our country. We've tried to push God out of our homes. We've tried to push God out of our schools. We've tried to push God even out of our churches sometimes. God help us. God help us. Look what he says there in verse 2. You recognize the sins of the people. For he says in verse 2, iniquity of the people. And then he says in in verse 2, all their sins. The psalmist is speaking of not only about national sins, but he's talking about personal sins as well. There's no question. Our nation has a great problem. You stop and you think about it for a few moments. And I'm going to use the year 1960 as a point of measurement. Did you realize that since 1960, there have been a 300% increase in violent crimes? There have been over 550% increase in crimes that... Beyond our recognition. The Justice Department said that 99% of, of the people of America will be robbed or attacked or assaulted at least once in their lifetime in America. Since 1960... The illegitimate births have increased 400% since 1960. The percentage of families headed by single parents has quadrupled. Now, if you really want to be concerned and be brokenhearted about our nation, Since 1973, there have been, listen to me, 59 million, 111,995 abortions in our nation. Do you think a God of holiness is going to stand back and continue to bless a nation that will murder their babies? Did you realize 59 million? That's larger than some countries. Many states. But that we have literally, literally aborted. One of our of every four pregnancies ends in an abortion. 
Oh, I hear people say, well, you know, that is because that many is because of the life of the child. I mean, the life of the, of the mother. Did you realize only 4% would fall in that category? God have mercy. God have mercy upon our nation that will literally turn from a holy God and parade up and down the streets of our cities with this national gay pride. When we have pushed God out of our our schools and out of our homes and we have allowed the standard of gay rights to become our standard, we're on dangerous grounds. Dangerous grounds. But you notice the sins of the people, but all the sins brought sorrow. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 5 in Psalms 85. He describes the suffering of the people. What's the source of their suffering? He says there, all of your wrath, the fierceness of your anger in verse 3. And then in verse 5, will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? You know what's happened? The abandonment of God has angered God within our nation today. But you know what? The verse that ought to make every American tremble is Proverbs chapter 14 verse 34. Listen to this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Friend, God has brought divine prosperity upon our nation. And He has not only brought divine prosperity, but He's brought divine protection. But I'm fearing that he is withdrawing that prosperity and that protection. Look what he says in verse 2 and 3. And I'm so glad verse 2 and 3 is in there because you know what he does? He gives us a hope. He gives you and I a hope of what can be. And he says there in verse 2 and 3, You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all of their sin. Selah. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Mm. We serve a merciful God. And He is ready at hand to bless us again if we will turn from our wicked ways and seek His face. I want you to see one last thing. What is that hope? We've talked about the condemnation that we dread, that we should dread. 
But what about the restoration that we should desire? Verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice. See, I'm not only concerned about our nation for today, I'm concerned about our nation for tomorrow. I am concerned what Andrew said for my children's children and their children. You stop and you think of how far we have gone in the last 40 years. What will it be the next 40 years? Well, I am so glad to know that there is hope. And that hope comes within one word. It's called revival. I believe that God wants to send revival. People say, well, revival is the days of old. Oh, I don't think so. I go back and I think that our nation needs revival, a national revival. Back in the early 1800s, I was reading. And the country was in a very desperate situation. The Wild West had become wilder and wilder. And it seems as if that America had almost become a nation that had forgotten God. Churches seemed like that they had no authority or influence upon the community and the state and the country that they lived in. But there were bands all over of preachers and people coming together and they began to pray. And in the late 1700s, there started to be sparks of revival. Then in 1800, in a little Presbyterian church, There in Kentucky. They were going to have a series of meetings from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And there at this church in Logan County, Kentucky, as the people began to arrive that particular Friday afternoon, the preacher was rather surprised because it seemed to be rather larger than normal. There were over 500 people that came to that particular church. And then on Sunday, they were going to have communion service. They would have a series of preaching and then at the end, they would have communion service. But something was unusual about this particular meeting. In the midst of that meeting, you could hear out within the congregation that first night, people began to cry and began to weep. And as they began to cry and they began to weep, 
There was something about the presence of the Lord coming upon that particular church. Same thing happened on Saturday night. Same thing happened on Sunday. And then on Monday, there was an unusual presence that was in that church. As the preacher preached, there were people that began to come forward in the middle of his sermon, falling on their knees around the altar, repenting, confessing. There were people that began to go to one another and they began to confess their faults to one another. One particular time at the end, toward the end of the service, there was a lady that shouted in the back of the, of the church. The preacher left his pulpit and started walking back there. And about that time, one of the elders of the church and says, now listen, preacher, we Presbyterians are people of order. We don't allow stuff like that. And if you know what's best, you'll get back in your pulpit. The preacher started to turn around, and as he turned, he said it seemed like God struck him right between the eyes. He said all of a sudden the fear of man left him instantly, and he walked back, and he began to... Encourage people to stand and to shout. And all of a sudden, there was a holy hush that came over over that church. There was, you could hear sobbing and weeping and crying and praying, Oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. Oh God, give us revival. Give us revival. And he said, then it happened. There was an eruption. And people, it was literally like they were being pulled out of their pews. Coming to the altar for repentance. Souls being saved. Lives being transformed. Formed. That was the beginning of the great revival of the 1800. And that revival moved out from that little church till they moved into the town. And many of the men that who ran the saloons literally closed the saloons to come to church and poured out liquor by the barrels. And that great movement moved across our nation of the year of 1800. And if you would go into Logan, Kentucky today, there is a sign on the side of the road This is the place 
of the great revival of the 1800. I long to see that, my friend. I long to see that. I believe the only hope for America, it is not President Trump, it is not Congress, it is not the Senate, but it's only God, my friend. It's the hope for our nation. I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat or what. That doesn't matter. What matters is that God has liberty in your heart, in your life. I long to see revival. You say, well, what can we do? We're just a a church here in a large city. Oh, my friend, who knew there in Logan, Kentucky that God was going to use that little Presbyterian church to spread revival throughout our nation? See, not only do we need a national revival, but my friend, we also need personal revival. That's where it begins. Personal revival. You say, well, I really don't want revival. Well, I tell you what, if you don't want revival, you pray that I will have revival. (laughs) That's my prayer. I believe with all my heart That God is still on the throne. And that God can still bless this nation. And that this nation still has a hope in Him. As long as there's God's people like you. And that are willing to allow God to move in your life. To touch the hearts and lives of our great nation. There is hope. I want to challenge you today. Do you want revival? I mean, do you really, really want revival? Now, now, before you answer that, you think about the price of revival. There's always a price. But my friend, if you think about your children and your children's children, there's no price that is too great for what God wants to do in their life. So in just a few moments, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And as we sing a hymn of invitation, I want to challenge you to come to this altar. And you know, and I don't mean to be mean-spirited about this, and I don't want you to take it wrong of what I'm about to say. Many times we will have a call to prayer to... to uh, the altar, and there will be many people will come, but there's some that will never come. And I never understand that. I never understand. Do you, are you not concerned about our church? Are you not concerned about our nation? Are you not concerned about the condition of our land? Well, I can't bend. Well, you don't have to bend. I can't kneel. You don't have to kneel. Why can't I do it in my my seat? Well, you can. But there's something about making an assertive effort that I think that God sees and that God smiles. So we're going to sing.
And uh, in fact, Andrew, why don't you just sing? And uh, we play. And you, if you really want revival and you want revival for our nation, I challenge you, meet me, meet me at the altar. Lord Jesus, oh, what a challenging word that you have given to us here today. And Lord, help us that we might be men and women humble before your throne, recognizing the need of our country, the need of our land, and to realize that before our nation can be touched, our church has to be touched. And before our church can be touched, we have to be touched personally. Oh, God, have thy own will and way. Very reverently, would you come and join with me? Pray for our nation.